You're listening to Citizen Reporter number 442 for the 30th of January 2013. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the podcast dedicated to underreported news and global concerns. I'm your host, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, also known as Bicycle Mark. Today I wanted to start off without the usual music and then right to the interview. I wanted to give a little background into how this interview came to be. So this is another in our Arab Artists in a Revolution series, in which, uh, for those of you who have been following, or perhaps this is the first time you're hearing of it, Christopher Lydon of Radio Open Source, excellent podcast, the first podcaster ever, in fact, he and I went to Tunisia, Egypt, and Lebanon. And our goal was to get stories uh, from storytellers, from artists especially of different kinds, thinkers, and while we were in Lebanon, on one of our last days of the journey, thanks to a friend of mine who put me in touch with someone in Tyre, I met Ashraf, who you're going to hear from today. What I didn't realize as I made my way via microbus and microbus and with the help of a good friend from Beirut, I didn't realize that in Tyre there are two refugee camps, Palestinian refugee camps, that have been there since the 40s. So after a few hours in the microbus, arriving in Tyre, which really seems like such a different place from, say, the urban landscape of Beirut, we meet Ashraf and learn all about his very, well, for us, unique life, although he would say normal, normal for where he grew up. And after driving around town, we actually thought we were going to go to a refugee camp. I don't know if Ashraf knows this, but we thought we were going to go with him to where he lives. But instead, we drove around town. He showed us more or less where refugee camps were. He showed us a lot of other interesting things of this ancient uh, city. And then he said, okay, now we can talk. Let's go to my friend's restaurant. Nobody's there. And we sat in this restaurant uh, having a really nice afternoon. Uh, several friends showed up and sat with us during the conversation, started listening. But it was really one of the more odd and interesting starts to what would eventually become this interview. I don't know if this background changes anything, but I think it's interesting to know what was going on, uh, even for us, as these questions start to develop in our heads. So what you're listening to is... Truly, I mean, Chris and I passing the mic around, uh, sometimes he ask, he's asking the questions, sometimes I'm asking the questions, and we're really asking someone about their lives, from birth to now. Okay, enough introduction, let's get to it, the interview. Actually, uh... My family, my parents, or my grandfather, my grandmother, they escaped from Palestine uh, when the Israelis start to occupy our lands, and they start, did massacres, uh, uh, killing people, especially the Haganah, if you, if you know the Haganah, the Israelis, they start making massacres, so most of people, they decide to escape from Palestine. And they escape not because they want to, but because of the Arabs' army between bracket. They told them, okay, it's okay, leave now. We will liberate Palestine, and when we li liberate Palestine, we'll come back. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, they did nothing. 
Israel become bigger and bigger and bigger and the Arabs did nothing. And uh, most of the people, people in Lebanon, they still have their keys for their houses. And they thought they were wait for months, few months, then they will come back. But it's now 64 years, still waiting to come back to our homeland. So, and uh, the idea of Palestine, it's transferred from one generation to other and uh, the parents or families, they were insisting to grow up their children, their kids about loving Palestine, about their homeland, because the Israelis took our land by force and they took our houses. Uh, we still have relatives, we still have our land, we still have our houses there, so... so uh, yeah, we, we grew up uh, to love Palestine and to dream to come back. So the struggle uh, take a strong side or a bad side, which is like fighting now. And then Palestinian, Palestinians, they felt in despair from the Arabs. And we uh, convinced that the Arabs will not help us. So we, we should help ourselves. So then the Palestinian Liberation Organization established by the Arab, by Jamal Abdel Nasser at that time, 1964, I think. Uh, so, and they were supporting the Palestinian Liberation Organization, but at some point, the, because of the 1967 war uh, between Egypt uh, and the America, Israel, France, and the bad situation in the Arab world at all, in Lebanon. So the PLO, they went out from the hands of the Arabs and they decided to go alone, to start the revolution and uh, to liberate Palestine. So uh, first of all, they started in Jordan and they used the Jordanian land to start making like military operation against Israel. Uh, but then the King Hussein, if you know the Black September, yes. when he's, he gave up, uh, an order to, to beat the Palestinians in Jordan and to kick them out. Uh, after that, they moved to Lebanon, and the Lebanese, they were supporting the Palestinian case at that time, and they were like with the Arab national, so they welcome the what's called fidayin at that time, the resistance. And so uh, Yasser Arafat at that time, he he decided like to start liberating Palestine to use by using the Lebanese land, because you know there is a border between what's called Israel now and uh, and Lebanon, and they started me kidnapping. Uh, planes. Uh, so the military uh, operation started between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So at that time we were living in, the, in camps uh, and uh, the situation was like, like that, that who lives in the camp there are checkpoints for the Lebanese uh, army or police. So but and even they were controlling the camps from inside. There was a military station inside each camp, but there was a really a strict rule inside the camp, like you can't go outside the house after 10 p.m. You have to put off the light. Uh, uh, so it was really like 
uh, they controlling in a bad, like you are in prison. You can't move, you can't go outside your house at this time, you have to stay at, at home, you have to... So, after that, yeah. I take it, you, and you can't buy a house in Lebanon if you wanted to. You could, you could rent if you wanted to move to Beirut, I take it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, this uh, decision uh, established by Rafiq al-Hariri in 1990. It's, it's not, it's a new, new law. If you want to compare this 64 years, it's, uh, it's a new law. And, uh, and this is because the, the government say they don't want us to stay in Lebanon. They want us to think about Palestine ever to come back to our homeland, but it's not like uh, a reason. F for sure we want to come back to Palestine, but at least you have to give us our civil rights. Uh, it's something humanitarian more than like to live as anyone in Lebanon. And uh, at some point, uh, we born in Lebanon and we, we live in Lebanon, and uh, uh, so uh, we have Lebanese at some point. We are Palestinian, but we have we are we are half Lebanese. In 1948, we came as ref as refugees, and they, then they established the UNRWA, UNRWA United Nations. So they were like the organization who responsible like to take care of the Palestinian refugees in Lebanon. So then they start to buy lands or rent lands for 90 years each land. So because they know we will stay more than 64 years, so they knew about that. So now each land it's rented by by UNRWA, and they established the camp. At the beginning we were living in tents, but you know, life changes. Then people start build houses. Uh, first tanks, then houses. Now then you can see modern houses in, inside the camp. Yeah, yeah, we we live normally. Yani. We we live like any some camps more beautiful than some villages in Lebanon. What uh, I, I heard stories from my family when I born, I, when I was nine months, so it was the second uh, occupation, Israeli occupation to Lebanon in 1982, I was nine months. Then my mother told me that when I was a kid, she was made the milk for me from the salt water, from the sea, because Israelis, they collect all the people in the beach, and they ask them to have white, T-shirt or uh, anything to say that we are surrounding it. So they collect us in the beach. So there, are, there was no water. So my mom told me I made your milk from the salt water. But concerning my family, we escaped to Syria at that time. We escaped to Syria till nine years. So I, I grew up there. So we came back to Lebanon when I was 10 years old. And I don't know anything about war. And uh, in Syria, we were, we were living in safety. And we, I don't know anything about weapons, about who, even about I'm um, Sunni or Shiite, or I don't know uh, these things. So when I came to the camp, because my my father is a colonel in, in the PLO, so he moved to Lebanon. So he asked my mom to come and to live here. But uh, the story, the funny story about me that when I came to the camp. It's so funny, but not funny, but uh, now it's funny. <laughs> uh, when I came to the camp, so many children, they were, they were waiting for me and my brother, my cousins and their friends. And so they were preparing for me and my, my brother a tour inside the camp to show me the camp. Uh, 
So it was a shock for me. Um, I was in, I was living in the city. Now I'm in the camp. We have no house. Uh, my father he, he just b- building a house. Uh, so we were living like six persons in one room. But it's okay. It's fine. So on the second day, my cousin and his brother and like ten children, they want to make a tour for me in the and to show me the camp. So we went. In in my camp, there are many fields. It's it's really a beautiful camp. You should visit. Many fields, many trees. You can go. You can enjoy the nature. But at that time, the Israelis they were bombing, and they were throwing uh, like shemnat labdoli dolls, yeah, explosive dolls at that time. But uh, so my cousin he found this this thing, this metal, and he said, okay, I want to take it and show it to my uncle. And his brother he said, no, just throw it. We don't want it to throw it. He said, no, I want to show it to my eyes. So we're playing, and he's always hitting this metal thing in the ground. And my cousin tell him, please, just throw it. We don't want it. He said, no, I want to show it to my uncle. So before, like, 300 meters, we arrived home. <coughs> my older uh, cousin, he took it by force, and he just threw it softly. Then it exploded. So my cousin, he died. Uh, I flight like 200 meters, and one of my friends, he lost his leg. So it was like, it was my first day in the camp. Mm. Yeah, and you see like a lot of children around you, and even me screaming, uh, crying. So it was like my welcoming party in the camp at that time. <laughs> Then I realized that I'm really in a serious situation now. I have <laughs> to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. As a youth, we, we really were really ex- exhausted from the political parties, from Hamas or Fatah or uh, everyone. Uh, actually, in Lebanon, we, we are under the authority of the, Lib- of, of the Lebanese government, and they still call us guests. Since 1948, we're still a guest. Okay, we are a guest. But we are not, uh, they consider us that we are not a good guest. We we have nothing in Lebanon. Actually, if you want to look at the Palestinian situation, we have nothing at all. You can consider us as a dom. We, We don't have passport, we don't have ID. What we have, this travel document and this big, big, big uh, identity card. Uh, so that's what we have in Lebanon. But for us as the Palestinians, okay, we can't fight Israel from here. It's, it's not, my, not our job here in Lebanon to fight Israel from Lebanon. But what we can do, at least, we can ch- we can change the generation. We can by education, by culture, by we can do many things like to awareness raising. Yeah. Uh, so so that's what we can do, and that's what we really hope to work on. Like, my my father he used to be a soldier, but he always told me, Ashraf, don't make the mistake that I did. Don't hold a weapon. Don't go. Don't be a fighter from Lebanon here. You you will not, you will do nothing here. So, so he he was so realistic because 
he fighted he he did a lot of things but he said he i don't know how to use the weapon and if you ask the Lebanese about the Palestinians they said oh they are fighters they know how to use weapon. I'm Palestinian I don't know how to use the weapon so uh, I will give you example when I went to Beirut I worked I heard about Al Kamanjati. It's uh, Kamanjati. It's uh, a music NGO. They they work in West Bank and they have music schools. So I so I contact them and I ask them why they not come to Lebanon and establish these schools inside the camps. So <coughs> they were like so open for the idea. They came. We established music schools in. Uh, in three camps in Rashidiya, Burj Al Barajni, and Shatila. At the beginning, the people they uh, they were against the idea. No, you want to learn our kids' music? It's haram. It's forbidden. Uh, you uh, you are destroying the kids. You are destroying the mentalists. At the beginning, but when the UNRWA, you know, most of the Palestinians they go to UNRWA schools. So after that, the the UNRWA they enter the music subject in the curriculum. And those kids who's in the music school, they got the high marks in the, in the school. So then the parents, they came to us, oh, thank you, our kids, they are get the high marks. So at the beginning, they were against the idea, but they changed. They start to be with the music. So it's, it's a small example that we, what we can do inside the camp. I'm sure if you speak of hope, and I believe you. I, you. You don't seem to feel terribly sorry for yourself. You're not. You're not cursing your life at all. But what do you see as progress, and when? Uh, actually, we still need time. We still need time. Maybe sixty years more. But uh, we should. Now we should work. If we, if we'll take us sixty years, it should be like, as thirty years of what passed before. We should be more fast and working in the more essential thing that we, we need. Maybe. Education, uh, uh, changing the mentality of people and stop. And as a Palestinian, we have to stop like, uh, we have to be free first. We have to be free. And to say, as you said, fuck for all the political parties. We should start from ourselves. Uh, and not to wait anybody to come and change us and to tell us what we want to do. And this is the good thing that wa what I see now in, the, in this generation, that we start to uh, aware that where we are going, we have to change something. Uh, and if, if yeah. Well, um, I wonder if you see, because I do, uh, kind of encouragement in Tahrir Square, where people haven't done anything yet, really, but they have cleared their own minds. They have stood up. They have stated their goals in terms of human dignity. And they've experienced expressive freedom. And they, won't, they say they won't go back. They're liberating their culture. They're liberating their minds. Um, what do you mean by becoming free, free in your own self? It means like to, to do what I want and uh, and not to affect by the circumstances where I live. Uh, the circumstances and uh, and I don't want to, to wait someone to tell me what I, what I want to do. 
uh, and to do what I want. And for, I, I will tell you some. I might not come back to Palestine, but I want to liberate Palestine. I might, I want to stay in Lebanon, and, and I want to live in Lebanon, but it doesn't mean like what Abu Mazin said, I want to go as a tourist to Safad, his village. I don't want to come back to Safad. Uh, okay, I will go to visit it, but uh, it's not mine. But no, for me, I say I might stay in Lebanon, but I will not say I don't want to c come back to Palestine and to liberate Palestine. No, I want to liberate Palestine. But I might stay in Lebanon because I born here, I lived here, I work here. And my, my father, he's more, he has the right to come back because he born there. And so, but f yeah, this is, this is something realistic, you know. I don't want to be like a imaginary person to say, okay, I want to come back to Palestine, I want to live there, and... No, I want to help in liberating Palestine, but I might not come back there and live there. Um, I go as a tourist, but I, at least I have a land. If I, if I decide to go and live there, I will go and live. Who are your friends in this, in this drive of yours? In your, in your memory? In your family? In your reading? In your dreaming? on the street? Everyone can help. Friends, uh, you, him, her. Everyone can help. Now you are helping because you are telling people our story. You're telling the story. But you are sending the message and you're helping us to spread our voice and to tell about our case. It's a kind of help. And you are a resistor now. I'll give you this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious about life inside the camp, uh, if you could tell us a little bit. For example, I mean, you have a lot of contact with children, I suppose. Um, what, what are the kids into? I know that sounds really... <laughs> but, like, for example, music. I mean, is it you like old-fashioned, if I can call it old-fashioned, um, Arabic music? Do they prefer hip-hop? Uh, what, what are they into in terms of music and, and maybe other, you know, culture? Uh, kids, <coughs> kids in the camp, actually, they don't know the names of the, the kinds of music, if it's hip-hop or it's jazz or... Uh, they listen to a Palestinian song. They know something, a song like about the revolution. Uh, uh, they know songs, kids' songs. Uh, but they are not into music that much. They know. And even music in schools is not an important thing. It's, it's not important. They consider it. And you know, in the camps, it's at some point we live in a conservative society. Yeah, so if they watch, they watch, you know, most of the Palestinians in Lebanon, they are Muslims. And there are a few Christians who live in Bayi camp and in some areas in Lebanon. So they watch Islamic songs. Uh, who's Islamic songs, I mean, not Islamic as a conservative, who's like, uh, you have to study, you have to listen to your dad, you have uh, something moral, yani, and uh, yeah. Uh, and I told you, the music now in the Arab world is so bad. And it's so bad for children to listen to it. Yeah, it's 
so I prefer for them to listen to this kind of music better than listening to those new singers now. How bad is bad? What do you mean by bad? It's really bad. Poetries, melodies, it's so bad. It's meaningless. If you listen to a song now in Arabic, it's meaningless. There is no mean for the song. It's just, uh, he loves me, I want to marry him, uh, I will die if he not love me, I will... Uh, yeah, so it's the life in the camp is so simple. Mm, in Beirut, you you could spend like $1,500 per month to survive in the camp. You could spend only $300 to survive. Because it's simple life. You go work, you come back home, you meet friends, you go to a cafe. It's cheap, everything is cheap. They have their own houses, small houses, whatever, but they have houses. Uh, they have this social life. People visit each other, supporting each other. Uh, yeah, the social life is so so great in, in the camps and even not only the camps in the Lebanese villages. They have this this small rich. lovely community. It's rich in uh, uh, in the social life and uh, yeah, and this is the, the beauty of of the, of the thing. Other than in Beirut, you could live in an apartment and die and nobody knows about you. <laughs> yeah, but in the camp, you, you don't care. If you get sick, all the people, you see them around you. You don't as, as care if something happened to you because you know there are people who are supporting you. So this, this is the relation. This is the good communication and relation between the people inside the camp. Yeah, it's simple and so nice. You've mentioned to us uh, off mic um, things like special rules in, in Lebanon, mostly quite ridiculous by any standards about what Palestinians can't do. Just for people who are listening, I mean, let's go over some of them. The, the, they're the rules that Palestinians can't do in the rest of the country. And I also want to hear a little bit about these rules if you live in a camp. Yeah, to, to be Palestinian in Lebanon you have many things not to do. <laughs> and, uh, it's forbidden for us to work in 70 jobs. 70 jobs? 70, and all the jobs. All the jobs. Even you can't be a taxi driver in Lebanon. Uh, in the camps in, in the south, each camp surrounded by a Lebanese army. It's, it's like a siege. There are only one gate that you can go in and go out and it's controlled by the army. And uh, it's forbidden for us to enter building materials to the camp, except we have to go and get a permit from the Lebanese army intelligence. Uh, so we can't rebuild our houses. Uh, we can't even enter furniture to the camp. Uh, we need a permit. Uh, what else? Uh, we have no civil rights at all. Uh, we don't have passport, we, we have travel documents, uh, we can't travel except to Syria, but now we can't. I might have missed it, but if a kid wants to, a kid with permission from his family, wants to go to the, to the beach, to the sea, to walk, you can get out. Yeah, he, he should pass through the checkpoint, but for example, in Rashidiya camp, we live on the beach. And if we walk from Rashidiya to Sur, to Tyre, it, it takes five minutes if we walk through the beach. But even it's forbidden for us to walk through the beach to get uh, Tyre. And to go by service for a kid, it's difficult. Uh, and, yeah. 
it costs 2,000 LBB and if each kid wants to take 2,000 each day, it's, it will be a, a big problem. I've learned, yeah, okay, it's, it's Beirut, so it's another world, about civil society, about initiatives to change things. Um, I'm wondering if, is there someone speaking, if they're Palestinian or if they're Lebanese, in this country trying to push for rights for, for people in the camps, for, for people outside the camps, Palestinians outside? Actually, all the parties in Lebanon, they love us, but they do nothing. They, yeah, they are supporting the Palestinian case, blah, 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 blah. But they are the people who make a siege around the camp, who are the people who control the camp. In the media, they say many things about the camp, that they love us and they are supporting us. But in the ground, they really, they are the people who's like, make us suffering. So we are play, playing cards in their hands. They use us to get the political... Uh, There's no, like... Ashraf, who's, who's, you know, risen up and, and become a man who people like and listen to and... Hopefully in the future, but not uh, Ashraf. There are many people like me and better than me inside the camps. They, they do something and they really are, they are really real leaders, really. Mm -hmm. They can, they have uh, their own, they can convince people that, okay, we have to do something together and... Uh, to make changes. So there are a lot, a lot of people like me inside the camps, but the difference that I, I have different situation because I went out and I came in and at some point I have contact and yeah, but, but I'm, I'm not the best and I'm not the only one who's doing that. I'm maybe like uh, the worst. There are many people inside the camp, they really, really active and they want to do something and to make changes. And I think they, at one day, they will be good leaders. In, in Lebanon? Yeah. yeah. And for the Palestinians inside the camps. And that's what we are working on. Um, you've, you've said to us that maybe, or likely, that you would like to stay in Lebanon since it's the place where you were born and, and, you, and you live. Um, how do you think you'll, you'll manage uh, if things don't change, if the laws don't change? Do you think you're just going to find a way or you need some laws to actually change? Uh, I mean, you're doing it now. You're finding a way. Yeah, but uh, I have hope that, we will, that something will change. And, you know, I still have this image that uh, we will have our own country and... Uh, I could see it, even if it's an imaginary thing, but I could see it in future, like Palestine is liberated, liberated and we are open countries, all the Arab world and open countries, like the European Union. We could be an union, a union one day. Yeah, I have this, these hopes here. Yani. It's not realistic, but it's, if it's an image, yeah, I have this... Uh, you, you go, I know that you go, you've gone to um, events, conferences that are about peace building, about yeah. communication. I, I don't know everything about it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, uh, when you go to these meetings, if I could ask you do, you, do you meet people from Israel? And I'm curious, how do you, do you communicate? And how do you communicate? What's the conversation? What does it you know, sound like? What do you say to each other? I never met with Israelis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never met with Israelis. I don't know if they hide. I met them and they hide that they are Israelis. 
And for me, I refuse to, to meet with anyone who said I'm Israeli. I mean, do, do you do know that there are people who, Israelis who want your rights to, you know... If they are living outside Palestine, it's okay. But if they said I'm Israeli and I live in Palestine, he's living in my land. I don't want to make hopes on those people. I, mean, I appreciate if they are living outside Palestine and they want to help, I appreciate. But, but I, I'm not depending on, on them. It seems so paradoxical that to live as prisoners year after year after year under bombardment from time to time with complete disrespect of the people who are responsible for them, it does in some paradoxical way seem to promote, uh, what can I say, a full life. I think the only thing that we still have is it's our dignity. Uh, so we start everything from our dignity. So this is our life since 1948. Nothing changed. This is normal, completely normal, what's going on. Ashraf, I hope to come back and see you uh, soon and, uh, and talk about more things about life. And, uh, thanks so much also for receiving us. Thank you, bye. <laughs> Just some last notes on today's program. So first, a very old-fashioned idea that I know some of you will ignore, but if you go to citizenreporter.org, yes, that's where all the old podcasts are, and I'm not just saying old, like out of date. It's every week, right? So there's plenty of content to be listened to, and I love all of you that take advantage of that fact. Also, you will find the comments section, and I mention it today especially because you can let me know how has the Arab Artist series been for you. I've had a great time, but I want to know I'm communicating with you. Tell me. Write it in the comments. Write me an email if you want. Mark at citizenreporter.org. Also, when you go to the website, there is the donate option. That helps keep this going. I don't think I need to say more. You know how it works. So thank you for those who have supported. Thank you for those who are listening. And I'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. You don't have to.